Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This week I had the opportunity to sit in the Luther room while the boom truck came by and pulled up underneath the stoplights here in downtown Aiken, right at the intersection of Newberry Street and Richland. And I saw them taking down the banners that were hung underneath the stoplights and they replaced them. Does anybody know what they replaced them with? One of my absolute favorite things that our city does. It has a picture of a veteran from the city of Aiken. And at the top of the banner, it says, Aiken honors our veterans. I thought it was really cool because it, it focuses on people that came before us who were willing to serve through thick and thin to protect our community, to protect our nation. And it made me think of, of the reading that we have before us from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. And we see John who sees this great multitude of people. These people that find themselves at the foot of the throne of the Lamb. And I thought about All Saints Day and how, how it is a day to reflect on those who have come before us who now, who now rest from strife and struggling here on earth and find themselves at the foot of the Lamb who, who went through the battle who stayed true to Christ in thick and thin, and who now are with their Savior. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. John gets a, a little glimpse of heaven. He's not in heaven. He just gets a glimpse of it. It's, it's sort of like uh, this last Tuesday, I had the, 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 oh, the privilege of looking back at the history on my Ring doorbell camera to, to, to overhear some of the conversations that were, were had on my doorstep when trick-or-treaters came up to pull, to pull some of the candy out of the bowl that we had left there, and, well, they put a smile on my face. John gets to sort of see this vision of heaven, and he gets a little sneak peek, and he sees, he sees this multitude of people from every tribe, every language, every nation coming before the Lamb. It's this incredible vision where he sees the angels and the elders and these four living creatures, and they are all worshiping at the throne. And you see it. It's, it's like the, the pinnacle of worship. It's as, as good as it could possibly get, and John gets to see it. But did you notice? Did you notice something about his reaction? 
when he, when he sees what's happening and the, elders, the elder asks him, what, what is this? John has to go, well, you know, because I, I don't. John was looking at what heaven would look like and his mind kind of exploded. He couldn't fathom it. He, he couldn't understand in its entirety that, that intense worship and perfection that was going on there. And I think it's, it's this really interesting clue into what our life here on earth is like. We, we always imagine heaven. We always imagine what that is going to be like. I, I sat with the, our confirmation, our, our seventh graders who are in confirmation class this week, and we talked a little bit about what heaven was someday going to look like. And, and, and you kind of struggle for words. And, and the reason is exactly why John struggled. Because although he was seeing it with his very eyes, he, as a sinful human being, just could not fathom that glory. He could not fathom that worship. He couldn't even sort of understand what it was like to be in perfect line with the will of God, where God's will and your will actually, finally, completely, and perfectly line up. As John looks in on this vision, he goes, I, I don't get it. And so he essentially tells the elder that he's going to have to explain to him what exactly is going on here. But how did we get here? How, how did we get to this place? It's a beautiful picture, but at the same time, you here are at peace on Sunday morning. This is not your life, unfortunately, right now. How did, how did we get here? They, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. It's just one little phrase in there, but it just packs so much meaning. That word great tribulation sort of has two different meanings as it's used in scripture. One, it's used a lot by the Apostle Paul and it, and it talks about the afflictions of Christians while they're here on earth. Just some of the sufferings and the pains that each and every single one of us go through while, while we kind of wander around this, this world. And Paul uses it as he tells people to bear up, to stand firm underneath those sufferings because those sufferings are not for, for nothing, to continue to persevere in the face of those sufferings. But then this word for tribulation and affliction is used in a different place. It's used by Jesus towards the end of Mark and towards the end of Matthew as he's in the middle of Holy Week teaching the disciples a little bit of, of knowledge about the end times, about, about the last judgment. And he talks about the great tribulation, the likes of which had never been seen and the likes of which would, would never be seen again. This great tribulation, this great struggle, this great affliction in their lives. And Jesus sort of promises them that that's going to happen. And he brings up all these nasty things. The love of cold, or the love of many growing cold. Hatred from the nations increasing. Attacks on the church from outside of the church and from inside of the church. Hatred. Division. Persecution, death. This picture that Jesus paints for his disciples is a bleak one. The one that he paints for us is a bleak one. As we hear him talk about this great tribulation and, and you hear his, his explanation of it, you go, Jesus, I'm not really sure I'm ready for all this. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with, with somebody that is going to stand up inside of the church and, and try to take your place. He even promises there were going to be fake messiahs that came and tried to deceive people. You hear this, this world that Jesus is describing, you go, ugh, Gross. I don't want to be a part of it. And then you realize you're, 
you're actually living in. And we're facing this, this tribulation, this affliction. It's like a battle. And in your personal life, it's a, it's a three-sided battle. On, on this side, you've got the devil who is, who is just attacking you just doing everything he can to take away your faith and your hope and your promise, telling you lie after lie, telling you that you don't have a father in heaven who loves you so dearly. And then on, on this side of the battle, you have the world, the world who wants nothing more than for you to give up on your faith and to just be done, that attacks you with, with accusation after accusation, that gets angry at you when you talk about things like sin and grace, that makes you just want to give up. And then on this side of the battle, you look and staring right back at you is your own eyes, yourself. As you go to battle against your own sinful nature, we know that when, when God converted us, when he, when he worked faith in our heart, he, he created this, this new person inside of us that wanted nothing more than to please him. But we still know that that enemy, that sinful nature lives inside of each and every one of us and we go to battle with them. And sometimes it feels like they're winning. I'm talking about tribulation, but I don't have to tell you about it. We all have our stuff. The disappointments, the anxiety, the stress. The things that kind of just, just push us down even when we're at our highest. And, and those moments when we do think we finally found some, some type of moment to relax in our lives, all of a sudden something else happens to, to trip us up, to knock us down, and to make us feel well, like it's not going to get any better. And maybe that, brothers and sisters, is enough tribulation by itself, is this idea, this promise of God that says, you know what, actually, it's not going to get better. And as you wait, as you wait in this world, and you're 20 years old or 30 years old, it's not going to get better when you're 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90. It's not, it's not going to ever be all peaches and cream. It's never going to be exactly what we want it to be. Maybe that is enough tribulation for us as we look around and very quickly understand that this world cannot be our permanent home because it does not satisfy all our needs. In fact, a lot of our needs wind up going unsatisfied. A lot of our desires, our wishes, vanquished. As we take a look at this struggle on All Saints Day, one of the things that oftentimes we do is we think about the loved ones that we have in our lives who, who maybe are now at rest from their labors and, and sit at the throne of God. This throne at which the Lamb is, is at the center. As I wrote this sermon, I couldn't help but think of my aunt who, who actually saved my life not once but twice. She... she rescued a silly klutz from the deep end of the pool in which he had no place to be. And she also knocked a, a fully unchewed carrot out of my windpipe on Thanksgiving, saving Thanksgiving for our family. This dear aunt of mine, uh, about a decade and a half ago, maybe even two decades ago now, was, was diagnosed with just this weird, wild, rare illness. And then every single time it seemed like things were going better, it, it felt like, Boom, complication, setback. And then things would get good again. And then boom, setback, setback, setback. And eventually you realize, you know, it's, it's never going to be perfect. On this side of heaven, it's never going to go, it's never going to go even well. It's always going to be difficult. 
It's always going to be trials and tribulations. And, and I, you saw her, her struggle and struggle and struggle. And you have to think at a certain point, how does that not affect your faith? How does Satan not use that to say your God doesn't love you? In fact, he hates you. And he doesn't want you to be with him. But by God's grace, she stood firm to the end. And as I think about All Saints Day, I think about that, that last moment where she couldn't even stand anymore. And then all of a sudden, she is face to face with the Lamb. That moment in which she had no breath left in her lungs, and just one moment later, her lungs are filled with nothing but amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Why? Why was every tear wiped from her eyes? Why, why does she no longer hunger or thirst? Why do our loved ones who, who had faith not fear? Why are they led by the God who leads them to springs of life and water? Why does the sun no longer beat down on them? Why are all of their needs completely and utterly filled today for them in heaven? For one reason. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Justification by the blood of the Lamb. My aunt, your loved one, is able to sit before the throne of God in perfect majesty, basking in his perfect love and justice because of the blood of the Lamb. Because my aunt was given a robe of righteousness and faith. Because you have been given a robe of righteousness and of faith. In fact, Samuel has been given a beautiful robe of righteousness dipped into the blood of the Lamb so that he might be seen as perfect in the eyes of his living and loving God. Yes, dear brothers and sisters, that's what we have to look forward to. That's what we have to look forward to, knowing that the relationship between us and God is completely fixed and that no worry, no fear, no tear ever needs to come back to our eyes. It causes you to be thankful. To be thankful to have a, a seat, just, just a seat, just a, a smidgen of, of what is offered here. It says salvation belongs to the Lord and yet as he wins it, he shares it. He gives it to you. He gives it to your children, to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren freely by the blood of the Lamb. There is a lot of sadness in this world. I don't think I've got to tell you that. You see people that are struggling and they have mental health issues and there is anxiety and depression and all of these things that, that seem to be, be tripping people up and making them feel miserable about their present and about their future. There's a solution to these things. And no, dear brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that if you just know Jesus, then all of a sudden anxiety and, and depression are a thing of the past. I, I don't believe that it's just some type of quick pill like that. But it's a good place to start. Because in the salvation that has been won for us by our God and by our Lamb, we have hope. We have the hope of joy with him forever. And ever, amen, where there is no hunger, no fear, no sadness, where the needs that we have in this world, the, 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 the things that cause us 
anger and frustration, those are just a thing of the past. So maybe, dear brothers and sisters, if you've got somebody in your life or maybe you are somebody that is struggling with those things, start there. Start with life eternal with your God in heaven and just see how that feels for you. God says that he is going to make his dwelling with his people. It says, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. It it can't help but make us think of when in the Old Testament, the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness and, and they got to see the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant going with them. Could you imagine the comfort that there would have been when they were going to war or when there was sin and, and challenges in their life, when they were able to look over there and see God in his presence at the tabernacle? That is the promise that we have of heaven that we are living in a, in a place of perfect comfort and compassion because we are able to look over there and go, that is God himself, holy and perfect, who has called me into his presence and hasn't pushed me out, hasn't said you are not good enough, but instead I have been good enough for you and brought, him, brought us nearer and dearer to him. At the beginning of this sermon, I, I sort of said that John looks at all this and he says, I don't, I don't really get it. And that's easy for us to imagine, isn't it? We look at these things and they just feel so far away. It feels like we're never going to get there. It feels like, yeah, maybe, maybe our loved ones are there, but they just, it just all feels very distant. Dear brothers and sisters, it's closer than you think. Your God who reigns on his throne is closer than you think. And it is in his blood, by his son, that we are able to have the hope of joy eternal with him. We are able to bask today in the fact that our loved ones who have gone before us and who have died in faith are enduring or are, are receiving the crown of glory right now. And yes, dear brothers and sisters, although it might seem far away and it might seem almost unattainable, Today, hear the word of your God clearly. Your crown is waiting for you. Amen.